What's going on, Asymmetry? Before we get you over to that podcast, I have a quick request that I would like to make of you. We need your help. On our next Mariah in the Wild project, we are headed to Italy to document the Puglian olives, the Roman olives planted 3,000 years ago that have given rise to such a tremendous and profound culture. But these trees are facing a major, major obstacle. The pathogen of xylella is eradicating them at a rapid pace. And before they're gone, we want to make sure that we talk with historians and horticulturalists to understand not only the disease that is eradicating the olives, but understand their profound impact on culture, understand their aesthetic, and pursue a project that preserves their contributions to bonsai in the form of film. Now, we've partnered with a wonderful nonprofit called the Treehouse Project. All of your contributions are completely directed towards portions of the project so you can see where your money is being utilized to help us capture this ancient forest. Any dollar amount helps and every single contribution is completely tax deductible. Visit Bonesimerai.com to see our Give Lively campaign where you can decide where you want to contribute to this project to help us make it happen. Thank you in advance for all of your support. I think we all understand how significant this project has become, and we only hope to do it more and more with your help. Hey, everybody. It's Steen Christensen. JT Abbott. Whoa. What's up? (laughs) What's up, Asymmetry? Asymmetry. (laughs) We're here to rock it out, talk a little tree planting with Ryan and Ira and Lonnie. It's going to be a good time. What are you guys doing up here? How come you're in the, our neck of the woods? Uh, well, I came up here to get a truck that I left down in Eugene. Mm-hmm. And uh, then to come here. Nice. Oh, fantastic. So I, I, I feel honored the, that you'd make the time. Well, of course. I mean, to see yeah. your bonsai collection is... Uh, and I here's a question for you. Is it bonsai or bonsai? Bon, bon, bonsai. bonsai. Yeah, it's okay. appropriate. If you're, try, if you're trying to be a purist, there you go. Right. Right? But I, I would say the layman's term in North America is bonsai. 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 We grow bonsai well, trees. We grow bonsai. Bonsai's. You say bonsai, bonsai to people, they're like, what's that? I know, I like, tried oh, it. Oh, you meant to I was say corrected bonsai. years ago. Uh-huh. And I tried it, and people just would, yeah, they you know, know they would like be like, about. you dork. Well, he doesn't know. And so I said, okay, well, I'm not going to yeah. pronounce it correctly. Steen has a copy of a bonsai book, the Korsha, what's the Oh, no shit, from I Australia. Yeah. yeah, that's where I learned my techniques. Unbelievable. When I was a bonsai master. <laughs> <clears throat> Now, I didn't know. I didn't know. Retired. I had no I, idea. Well, this was I, in a previous career, previous <laughs> yeah, life. Very, very, yes. Somewhere <laughs> around, somewhere in under a million trees, I did have a hit my stride as a bonsai expert. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. After reading that book. I love it. And I did, there's still, there's still some trees around that I, that I did work on. Um, and I found it fascinating. I just didn't have the time. Yeah, I yeah. right away I realized what a what a labor of love it really was, and and uh, you know I never really I, I I really wanted to pursue it, and then I just you know, and now of course people come by my place, and since we've grown millions of trees, and our boneyard and our our uh, backyard is just a fantastic, you know, I mean, it's almost just always got some new specimen coming not not like you you have but but seedling wise you yeah know, three-year-old sure. stuff basically things that we've neglected to the point of where they start looking cool yeah um, yeah can we come p- cherry pick that oh yeah yeah, yeah. and the bonsai club that's so worth it yeah it is the and humble, humble bonsai you know. club used to do that annually 
and and they they would come out and just go bananas <sighs> and i just load them up with a bag for you know 20 bucks oh my gosh and yeah I'm I'm super excited fun. about this. This needs to happen sooner than later. <laughs> we actually might be down in your neck of the woods because we're 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 hoping that Anthony will film with us for our Redwoods project. We were okay. down in the Redwoods um, yeah. doing a really what I what I I'm a project I'm really proud of uh, with fire and Redwoods and sort of the history of Prairie Creek and some stuff okay. like that. So we've already talked about Prairie Creek versus Jedediah. I know I yeah. know the the passionate Redwood. Uh, researchers are all about Jedediah, but Prairie Creek is my, uh, that's my spirit spot for okay. Redwoods. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Prairie Creek kind of guy. Uh, are you? Are you? Because well, you told Redwood, me Jedediah. I don't want to. like the Boy I'm Scout a, Well, Jed Smith, Jed Smith is, a, of course, where everybody, uh, you know, is a, is a, you know, it's hard to argue with Jed Smith, but there's places in upper Redwood Creek that you can only get to, you know, from going up like Dollison uh, prairie you know so you go into the park mm -hmm. um and and drop down there that i like and so i i think everybody kind of has their own uh special redwood you know yeah connection uh, yeah 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 so yeah, you, know, so you can't you, you you can't discourage people from uh from heading to jed smith and from heading to some of those it's, it's part of it, our being out there with them is is doing the right thing it's winning you yeah. know as far as people going and experiencing yeah. these trees for themselves yeah and there's a lot of redwood country too <clears throat> that people you know i think even some of that uh off of the high uh highway 36 with the state parks like grizzly uh flat do you know that one is that there's a grizzly flat out there. You yeah, got, that's you got you got to get you got to get up into that now. That yeah, don't you go away. JT, what's the name of the state park out there off the 36? That's a nice little park. <clears> oh there. yeah, there's there's a grizzly. There's a grizzly flat over there. Yeah, so uh -huh. the little state parks. The state park system's really got a lot of nice nice redwood. Humboldt yeah. Redwoods is fantastic. River yeah. Humboldt Humboldt Humboldt's great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's the, the 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 pockets of little pockets of old growth that you get here and there. Even when I, I lived in uh, Santa Cruz for a summer in college, and uh, I forget what they call that, Big Camp or Roaring big, Camp. Big or Basin. And yeah, Big Basin. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it burned. Sweet. It did. It's been uh, <clears throat> one of the places that we haven't been able to visit um, in the last couple of years because of the it had a major, major fire. So, yeah. Um, it's just now probably being opened back up, and people are getting back in there a little bit. Uh, so an inter interesting place to to visit. Yeah. But yeah, right, right there. Uh, and it's companion park, you know, across the bay is Mirror Woods. Yeah, sure. Uh, another fantastic park that, sure. uh, you know, I think a lot of um, a lot of people have seen because of its proximity to the Bay Area. Yep. And internationally, a grove that's very well known. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Muir Woods would be. Well, speaking of Muir, uh, you left me with a very concise assignment uh, after we climbed the sequoias with you, which was to get a copy of our national parks and read uh, John Muir's uh, discussion of Yosemite. And so uh, that has been something that I've been working on over the past few months of going through that whole book, our national parks and reading John Muir's writings on you know, his theories, his feelings about the native environment in North America, uh, the formation of the national parks, et cetera. And it's been freaking awesome. Good. It's been rock and roll, man. Yeah. What do you like? Do you like his writing? <clears throat> I like his writing a lot. I think it's very interesting that the things that he was talking about uh, when he was writing that, which, you know, for all of us in the formation of the national parks was uh, several lifetimes ago, um, are the same themes that we're talking about still today. 
And oh, it, yeah. And it establishes the consistency of humanity's perspective of our relationship with nature. Even climate change and drought was <clears throat> sure. there. Um, the things that they were experiencing when he uh, was writing. Uh, yeah, he uh, definitely, I think, was someone who, I mean, to me, I, I just like his writing as a naturalist. I think he really has a great, um, you know, he really knows his geology, he knows his trees, and, and I think he's very intuitive, too, uh, as an ecologist. I think sometimes he's overlooked a little bit um, for really what a, a excellent scientist that he was. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's a good read. It, it, just him wandering through the giant sequoias, right? And literally going from ridge to ridge in yes. the high country, spotting the different groves and then just walking there. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. What a boss. I mean, uh, <laughs> this dude is like, the dude is and you know, he looked dapper as hell while he was walking through the woods in his I like, I can't imagine what it would have been to uh, run into him in the woods. I, I, you, you hear a lot of anecdotal stories about people that kind of took him in or that he met along the way. He, he tells them and then other people tell them as well. But I think he was really, uh, you know, pretty much a, you know, he didn't take a lot of gear with him. And, uh, you know, it's funny to have him in that book with a mule, you know, that's like an extravagant uh, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. You know, piece of equipment for him. Um, but very interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, I, there was a, somebody who told a story about it, it. It's not Tharp, but it's around Tharp's cabin. Um, you know, of some old timer who used to carry like a wood stove and a 50 pound bag of flour up into the hills every, you know, so you know, That's I guess unbelievable. I, I think, you know, obviously it took a lot of time to, to move through the backcountry at that scale and to observe and be casual the way that John Muir did. You know, he, he definitely sauntered, you know, mm -hmm. he had the idea of, of taking his time and really describing and understanding kind of what he slowing, intentionally slowing down. Um, but, uh, yeah, probably pretty good shape that cat was, huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about when we, when we hiked up, uh, Ira, myself, and uh, a few other individuals from Europe who were doing some ceramic work. Actually, their work is in the studio back here. They call themselves the Triscoli Collective. They're from Sweden, uh, the Czech, and the UK, and they 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 get together somewhere in the world every year and do a ceramic body of work that is used in bonsai. And they wanted to do it here at Marai to be informed by the garden and sort of our perspective of representing native landscape. But then we took them to the white mountains and the bristle cones. And then we hopped over to Yosemite and we did a hike up to <clears throat> Nevada falls was what I, I believe. Yeah. You know, which takes you trail. on the backside of mm -hmm. half dome and you get up to Nevada falls. And I was just thinking about, you know, the beautiful path making uh, and trail making that Yosemite has engaged with, which is not nerfed. It doesn't have nerfed corners. You you can die very easily out there yeah. if you're if you're if you're and, not careful. You're stupid, yeah, and, and I appreciate do. that. Yeah, it's I, nice. Yeah, but I thought about John <laughs> Muir walking through that without all these beautiful little paths. Oh yeah, the amount of um, danger that he put himself in potentially. <laughs> And pretty he writes good, about it too. Pretty good outdoorsman, you know, yeah, a combination sure. of climber and, and, you know, someone who could take care of themselves, uh, a make themselves a mountaineer yeah. and, and, you know, not a, I wouldn't, I would dare not call him a survivalist cause he was way too comfortable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just a different type of animal. Yeah. Uh, also I do think that what was driving him, what, it, what is what 
would drive me or you uh, is just a sense of being a good uh, naturalist or really understanding natural history, how the earth uh, works. That's just a natural curiosity that I think is born um, within uh, someone that is, uh, you know, it's a, once you tap in, uh, it's pretty hard to unplug Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're walking and you're and you're in that environment, mm-hmm. I, I know that that's something that I think he enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I guess uh, you know, every around every corner, there's a new surprise, and 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 in the Sierras, you've got the whole granite and uh, big trees, and, unbelievable. You know, yeah, it's, it's the smells, the Ugh. you know, it's just. Uh, I think the Sierras are the most stunning mountain range on earth. I mean, I haven't been to the Himalayas, but I've spent time in the Alps. I would like to go see the Dolomites, but I just, it's I, like, it's when I got there coming from the Rocky Mountains, when I got there in college, the week before I started college, I went on a backpacking trip in the Sierras and I was just like, what is this magic that I'm seeing? I, <clears throat> I've never shaken it, you know? Yep. My, spent all the time I could in the Sierras in college. Yeah, my first experiences too, being you know from Colorado, also you know, and uh, being up in uh, the La Platas, um, and and having plenty of experience in the in at in subalpine, and 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 being a bit of a climber myself, and I I never even could imagine the the wonderland that was Yosemite, Oof. or and then once I got into the really to understand the relationships and how interesting. Uh, the Sierras really are, uh, yeah. It kind of unfortunately, the Rockies paled. It gra- uh, yeah, it grabbed. Yeah, they, they, they really grabbed. Did. I they, mean, they, I'm just they, gonna they be do. honest. They just and, do. Yeah, and and then and a lot of that I think also has to do with the fact that the Sierras have such a wonderful mashup between the East Slope and the West Slope. Yeah, like I had the last place I was uh, just three. Oh, I don't know when it was month month or so ago before the snow because it snowed on me. But uh, I went up to Mineral King. And got up uh, to the, you know, got up into the high country, and when you start seeing the the ancient uh, junipers spilling over the from Sierras. the and they see the white bark pine, and you, yeah. you know, you're just like all of a sudden, um, you know, when I think I've, when I think I have, I'm so sequoia centric, right? You know, I'm always in the groves, and I'm thinking, wow, I love this, and then I'm like, no, I really, this is really it, you know. <laughs> And uh, that's the granite and the harshness of that environment and that weird spillage uh, over. I mean, we got up to where we saw just uh, old growth uh, western white pine, you know, mm-hmm. and just beautiful stands of uh, of old, old trees. But hard hard to really stay away from the kind of imagination, almost uh, Disney esque uh, feeling of that landscape. especially with the way that the granite you know domes out and you've got this very odd contour and then these craggly trees that are just just like man this is it's almost too much to digest well and then i think over since i've worked in the the area now in the last couple years and i've been going the juxtaposition too between the valley and the sierras now also yeah because you know even when we were at at the saddle there at redwood mountain um, we could see down into the city and then we, and then we're in the, you know, we're up in the, in the hills. So this, this so close, um, right? So, so different. This guy, uh, took me up to Mount Charleston outside of Las Vegas, oh, which, yeah. uh, you know, <clears throat> I talked with both you and Anthony about the bristlecone pines of the white mountains and, yeah. and you guys were both like, yeah, they're kind of old trees. And Ira and I talked about it afterwards, like 
how, how the fuck are these guys into old trees and they don't care about the bristle cones? I mean, it was like an afterthought. I was uh-huh. like, what, what does bristle cones ever do to you? Yeah, <laughs> what are we talking about here? But uh, but he took me up to Mount Charleston and standing there looking at the rain tree, which is, you know, these trees are assigned a name and they take on significance yeah. given this identity, right, uh-huh. by human beings. But it's a 3,000-year-old bristle cone, which pales in comparison to the White Mountains. But nevertheless, when you're at the top of Mount Charleston, it's pretty freaking rock and roll. Oh, yeah. And you can see the strip. Yeah. You can see the Las Vegas yeah. strip from the rain tree I've, through the saddle and the mountains. And there. that was like, I've whoa. That too. It's uh, definitely <sighs> well, it's a mind trip. A couple ways. It's, it's, a, it's such a juxtaposition. It's a juxtaposition. You just see... At that point, I want to start talking about urban forestry, but it doesn't work in Las Vegas because <laughs> nothing, you know, palm trees and, you know, I mean, what do you, yeah, yeah, what do you do? What, what do you do? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. And well, and water, I think hydrology. I mean, I think about the things that I normally think about. Um, I think about orange groves, like below three rivers. I think about all the, you know, where, where the water goes and, and where power comes from. Yeah. And those kind of sure. things. Mm-hmm. It shifts my gears a little bit away from trees, <clears throat> and I start thinking a little bit more about, oh, wow, we've made choices, you know. We have and, made choices. Uh, it's hard. It, 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 it's interesting that the trees open the door to observations about things that are seemingly disassociated but directly correlate and impact trees, the distribution of trees, where water and resources are as a guiding light of, you know, the capacity for these organisms to exist, to Mm -hmm. establish, to sustain. And I think that was the, that was such an important part of seeing the sequoias right at, at Red, Redwood Canyon was where we were at, right? Yeah. Redwood Mountain Grove. Redwood Mountain Grove. I mean, seeing the burn. Yeah. And I, I took as, uh, as everybody was climbing the, the sequoia that day i was the first one to go up and i came back down and ira and lonnie climbed and jt and um who was the other gentleman that climbed there was a philip a philip yeah there exactly a, yeah, there, yeah, was there was the philip. philip philip yeah but i mean everybody's climbing and i went on, i went for uh to to go find whatever the you went up to sugar bowl i did go up to sugar bowl yeah. uh it was it was impressively devastating yeah i mean that it was some real now take serious nature's wrath now up there. take board camp and it's even hotter and at board camp there's nothing left yeah the that's tough to imagine it's gone and the yeah the granite is exploded and it's just uh it's even hotter wow but but that by some by dwight willard's account sugar bowl was one of the largest carbon sinks in the world which is why it's important, of course, to give it a shot to plant that back. If you look right down below <laughs> you where we were, back in. Mm-hmm. if you if you look right down where we were, right, and you see and you see that Fresno down there, and you see that we're still up there with possibility of planting trees, and you think about that as being a carbon sink because yeah. of the type of tree that was there, yeah. because it was giant sequoia, the way that it grows, the way that it does lock down carbon. Yeah. So there, that particular site is interesting. I didn't have that job at first. That just came after that second fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think it's a more interesting uh, project because of the carbon sequestration that's possible there. The other thing that's interesting about that project too is there with MPS is it's you know um, and increasing the density of giant sequoia there. You have opportunity to build. Um, a little bit more carbon sink out there by just using that tree, mm. you know. And this is and this is a discussion of 
Can you get enough people on board to take down the red tape of expanding the Sequoia footprint beyond where it maybe originally occurred? And you even talked about it as potentially being a good fire break. Oh, yeah. Or or serving a different purpose. But there's so many people that are saying, hey, don't mess with the natural system because we're naturalists and what happened happened and that's the way that it goes and you and anthony seem to be i don't want to speak for you guys but my understanding is you guys are saying listen we've already tampered with this to a point where we've got to do something or else we're going to see this landscape radically change and maybe never have the capacity to support these trees again if we don't allow them to reoccupy and continue to drive the ecosystem as and Anthony didn't quantify the giant sequoias as an apex species, but it seems like they're awfully influential, even if they're not an apex species. I think Anthony would steer away a little bit from the in geoengineering um, aspect. Um, I would not need to. Um, I think there is an opportunity. It has to do with the the, the land use and how it's stacked um, and how we perceive our public lands. Um, you know, national parks... Uh, and and wild uh, if it's wilderness um, then it's a it's a sensitive subject and mm-hmm. I understand that um, the when we get out to the broader issue you know when when we're not in wilderness which a lot of national park is not and uh, and and most uh, forest service is not uh, yeah we should probably be pretty aggressively planting for carbon lockdown right and uh, and no we could use some of our tools uh, coast redwood and giant sequoia to do that. Uh, and they would be good tools because of fire resistance, fire breaks, also disease resistance. And, or, you know, co- uh, coast redwood now plays farther north. So yeah. Oregon gets to plant a lot more coast redwood these days. That's good. And Yeah. Yeah. And that's then, good. And then giant sequoia, I think globally, you know, and that's the other thing too. Globally, we should be thinking about building these carbon sinks. So, yeah. um, you know, right now I, for me, it's really important to work on the, on the jobs that, that, uh, that I have, you know, or that are in house for me, which is the, but how uh, do you make, I mean, how do you make that choice? Um, knowing what you know and knowing that building these carbon sinks internationally could potentially be really favorable. Like somebody has to be championing that, uh, knowledge and distribution of awareness and discussion of potential, um, you know, positive outcome from those kinds of actions. Yet at the same time, somebody's got to be driving the replanting of what already existed and has burned and won't really replenish yeah. itself and potentially will change. And that's that yeah. was one thing that struck me seeing you gathering these seeds and you're saying, listen, there aren't a whole lot of people in the world that are going to be gathering these seeds that have the skill set, that have the know-how. And it's just like, man, Steen, you are a real individual in short supply. Uh, as far like, as what's needed, the well, knowledge that's needed. I think like like Kai and some of my contemporaries, Carl Jakovich and you know Kai, Kai Busemann from Germany. There's there are people that know how to do it. Mm-hmm. It just was a trade. It's just like going out and looking for the like the last plumber, yeah, or the last you know where's the last framing carpenter. You're not gonna you know it's it, it's not a, a <laughs> difficult task. All I think most of us would like to see is that we would be busier right and that we would have access to our public lands yeah the main thing and and that's what the nonprofits are trying to do they're trying to build bridges to land managers and and go to work mm-hmm. um christy Brigham and you know um i think and and sequoia national park andrew bishop 
and the nonprofits that are are helping, like uh, Sequoia Parks Conservancy, um, they're doing most of what they're doing as scientists. So it's it, so who I'm working for and and how I'm working is a little different than if I'm working for U.S. Forest Service. Don't seem to get the amount of uh, traction and continuity. Um, for tree planting out of the federal government mm -hmm. you know you just you they haven't got they they they're not ahead on the seed collection so it's very hard to get to the fire and there's a lot of energy in california going on right now to try to fix that it yeah. mostly is coming from the nonprofit side right yeah there is some involvement from uh u.s forest service and also the state i was at a um, in Sacramento and they're talking about building a, you know, kind of accelerating the pipeline. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, they're making a complicated problem because they, that everybody wants to kind of plant, uh, you know, a million trees, two million trees, three million trees. We talk in these huge generalities and we won't just deal with uh, one specific fire, the, yeah. the red salmon, or yeah. the coming. We won't. We won't just take on. We won't take on one property, one land manager at a time, and break down the walls. Uh, and and that's really the main thing is 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 that you know finding that willing land manager. So it's a complete breakdown. That's the that was the biggest thing that I took away from being there with you was <clears throat> you have this if if you try to you know if you try to eat an elephant all at once it's it's an impossibility but if you just start one bite at a time right and it's like there are immediately actionable items one of the things that struck me about where we were at with the sequoias is you're saying listen we collect these seeds seed viability cone collection to get viable seed is less successful now than it historically has been because of insects because of um, you know whatever yeah. ster sterility within the seed, the crops are not as productive. You could have come in, you could have collected a single tree and had the ability to re you know really replenish an entire resource. But you're having to work harder now, and to then take that back, germinate those seeds, and not have a project to go put them in, or for yeah. the project to have aged long enough where the underbrush is yes. going to be reducing the success yeah. and the viability of the yeah. replant significantly. It was like, wow, this is some really serious logistical stuff that you're it, dealing with. It, it always has been a logistics issue. And yeah, it, a tree planting, tree planters just have not been able to get on the land quick enough with the trees. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do from not having that. And that's not always true. I mean, there are examples and, and, you, and in here in Oregon and in California, you have private companies like uh spi and roseburg and they can log and they can get on their land and they can get their trees planted yeah of course so why of can't course. the federal government yeah yeah so i mean i've <clears throat> i've realized that it's not i've been at it for 30 years so i realize that it's not completely the north of tree planting in north america is just not tree planting in the amazon or tree planting in uh africa it doesn't it, it's not cost effective in the same way yeah it's probably a four dollar tree not a one dollar tree um so there's some there's some real problems that we have when it comes to and i'm not saying that a lot of it has to go back to repairing logged lands on federal properties but that's the bulk of it mm -hmm. i mean that's why there's a lot of talk of fuel reduction and uh, uh or fuel reduction where fires haven't 
occurred or after these catastrophic fires where we should have had fuel reduction tree planting yeah so getting on the getting on the landscape in a year after the burn is almost impossible you'd want to be there two years because then it's really easy for the it's all about efficacy right it's actually about doing a good job right so we continue to push on those building rebuilding that model in sequoia national park and i think if that model gets rebuilt in sequoia national park with mps and the entities that are involved with the tree planting there, I think that then there's an opportunity to be successful in California. I, I, I just think it's so admirable that you're willing to take on, you know, there are certain people who through whatever, you know, sequence of events growing up or mechanisms of career choices and levels of expertise, education, experience, et cetera, don't see a limitation uh, based on scale. And you're one of those people I've recognized that really doesn't uh, find something intimidating, regardless of the size and scale of it. And that was very clear as we were at this project and, you know, JT (laughs) and Philip and God knows who else blew in and out of that camp in the very limited time that we were there. And as we were leaving, we're like, you know, we didn't feel like we were outsiders, but nobody knew what the hell we were doing, (laughs) you know? And then somebody else was coming in as we were leaving and I didn't know what they were there for. It was just like, everybody just said hello. Like we were all supposed to be there. Oh, straight up. I told you, it was bitching, man. I told you just roll in as cone hunters. It was was great. Well, you're more than welcome to do that again. Oh, I think, I think we're do more, more time next time. I think we're pretty determined to like uh it was beyond beyond sort of this like notion of wanting to contribute positively which i think is what what seemed to be the central backbone of everybody that was there yeah uh there was also just a simple enjoyment and sort of self-fulfilling um you know involvement with being around trees of that nature which is really the healing aspect of 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 the ancient forests on the human psyche you mm-hmm. know so it's like yeah trying to do something to contribute positively but also being in the presence of greatness is a is a very selfish but uh feels like still selfish in a positive way uh reason to be there you know oh, and it, so it's like a double whammy as far hard. as getting involved it's a it's a to me um and i mean it's a it's an honor for me to work in the national parks i think we're so lucky um i'm I, as americans you know and i'm not just talking about white america either i mean we have a lot of opportunity for all people in america to enjoy our natural beauty and Mm -hmm. i want it to stay that way i'd like to see it affordable accessible and as a place where people can learn and enjoy a greater connection Uh, if they can't you know i i think that there's really an opportunity to continue to do that in the parks so i like to work there because i like to be involved in that and uh and i've also noticed too you know um for me uh, um i i did take a strange career turn as a big tree you know when i when i really started getting into the giant sequoias and growing them um you know i noticed that the different seed uh the different groves had different you know look different and you know behave differently as a grower i got interested in seeing these groves and really at that point i just started really following dwight willard's book around um and just visiting all the different groves this was the book that you showed us yeah 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 Yeah, Yeah, great giant sequoia groves of california yeah but so that that 
that tree in itself became to me, you know, something as I was going to school. I, you know, learning, also learning about that family too, right? Because it's a worldwide family, you know, learning about the the relationships. I lived in the, I lived in Co- Coast Redwood co- country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just started getting really red, Redwood centric for a while. Um, that just kind of started bringing me more back into the, the park. And, and by the time I started working with Anthony and Wendy with ancient, uh, forest society, which is a Humboldt Cal Poly now Cal Poly Humboldt connection that kind of wrapped up. I, I had just got through with, you know, and I've been, you know, I've probably been involved in greenwashing projects for a long time. Right. So in 2012, I had done Lowe's million tree project, um, for them, um, with the Johnstein company. And at that point I wanted to get do, I, at that point I really wanted to go back to, to working on the landscape and, and bigger landscape projects. So I, I was planning on scaling up, um, and I was always trying to, to, to scale up. One of the things that's really interesting to me about most environmental problems is, is scalability, you know, biochar, um, electric cars, uh, you know, where, yeah, where, right? yeah. How, what, what happens when we take these solutions that we think are good and, and blow them up to the, to the population at large and yeah. can they be, can, can they scale? Are they sustainable and scalable? And that, that's one of the things that I think for forestry um, and for what we do is interesting because you can't just go through and mechanically manipulate an entire forest, you know? Yeah. So uh, I did start thinking in terms of landscape and, and, and I was intimidated at one point, you know, Mm -hmm. by certain sizes, but you know, once I started seeing a, after you see a few hundred thousand tree plantings, you know, then you start thinking, well, okay, I, I see the the logistics, you know, yeah. but, the, but the weather is, you know, you're always kind of trying to figure out when the best time to plant a tree is. And, you know, you're, um, you know, have a kind of a limited window in the fall before the snow comes. And then the spring, the rain, if you don't get rains, uh, you know, you won't be a good tree planter. Right. Yeah. Right. They yeah. say that tree planters are only as good as the weather that follows them. And I oh, think that's, that's true. What a concept. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a few documentaries out about uh, tree planters, some some old, some new, and, and watching the rate. I think we talked about this when we were talking about these tree planting crews. The rate at which a good, a professional tree planter can plant trees, right. and the and the success, yeah, of a professional tree planter identifying the pockets and the places in the landscape where a tree has the best ability to thrive. I mean, it's like, it's a real art form, mm-hmm. but it's a physical marvel watching the, I mean, that's like a marathon runner. Mm, it's a pretty athletic event. <clears throat> it's you know? freaking impressive. Yeah, getting to five to, a, you know, if you get people in steep terrain planting in North America at five to a thousand trees a day, 500 to a thousand, that's a pretty, that's a good, that's an, that's an athlete. That's an athlete. That's an athlete. That's an outdoor yeah, that's athlete. A, yeah. That's a people don't yeah. realize. I mean, I kind of had the impression that tree planters would probably smoke a lot of dope, which might not be inaccurate. It, uh, they probably do. You know, but probably. It, it's but the CBD thing. It keeps their joints fueled, loose. Right. Uh, yeah. No, but this is the thing. I'm thinking like these people are probably partying, partying all night, smoking some dope. They're out there planting trees at a sort of semi-conscious. This is a total uh, ignorant perspective well, yeah, of what it must be. this is not what the Canadians do, man. I mean, the they- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they, but I mean, when you see professional tree planters, you're like, oh, 
your your nutrition you're rested this is your your <laughs> these are not the crews that i'm used to oh really okay well uh, maybe yeah, maybe i had an accurate I, I, perspective sorry. but i sorry but it's a little bit more like you think uh, it, it really <laughs> is um well i was trying now, to give credibility now, to tree planters no no it's hard because tree planting contracts in america go for 35 cents a seedling yeah right and so most of the crews come in from south of the border on work visas. They go to Idaho, mm -hmm. and then they start planting their planting season, and then they go home. Yeah. So if you think you could plant, okay, so do your math at 1,000 trees. Okay, so be be somewhere remote, do 1,000 mm -hmm. trees, and get paid 35 cents a piece. Yeah. Are you going to, JT, are you going to work for that money? It's a hard pass. Have you have you tree planted before, JT? I've planted a, quite a few trees, but not on a large scale. Not on a large scale. Not yeah. on a crew. Not day in, day out kind not of. Not day in, day out. Not camping for <coughs> forty nights. Yeah. Well, the other thing. Okay, so logistically, so 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 in North America, you have a problem. You're not paying a living wage for tree planters. Yeah. 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 Dead stock. Not a thirty-five cents a seedling Pri in, those, in that terrain. Priorities. Right? Priorities. You know. Right. So most of the tree planting that I get done is usually done with a smash up of revenue, so that the tree planter can get paid a living wage. Yeah. So I have to blend my revenue streams. Um. So it's it's tough. Um. I think it should be a you know like some of the sites that we're working on in NPS and you know where we consider prevailing wage for cone collecting or tree planting that's what i'm working on uh -huh. you know so that you know we can get a generation of young people that you know i believe that tree planting and cone collecting should be more like salmon fishing used to be you know yeah. where you can get some people out in the woods they can make some good money they can go back to college or something well and a little or bit of go a, down to joshua tree and do some bouldering for sure yeah a little bit of a way of life kind of yeah, a, exactly. a, a lifestyle the, the um do it with joy. Do well, it with the, joy. That's well, the, the, the firefighters right now, God bless their souls. Thank you for your service. But you have too much money. And they get all the money. And they get all the tactical. Mm. So when you see firefighting crews, you'll see sleeping quarters. You'll see kitchens. You'll see uniforms. You'll see all kinds of stuff. Take a look at a good cone hunting crew. <laughs> take a look at a good tree well you've seen my crew so that's, well, there you go take yeah, a look at lean. the best home cone hunting crew <laughs> in the world lean mean yeah dr kind of dr dr how many justin marbles how many justin by reasons marbles nobody actually need? understood how many justin marbles do you need to get the job done one. oh that guy's a monster Just one yeah one dude we yeah. are just you have to tell him that we we miss Justin. yeah well he'll yeah. be here we'll get him up here Justin. yeah we do need to see justin again it was very clear that justin <clears throat> would whoop your ass if you found him in a dark alley and pissed <laughs> him would off just that guy would bend you in half and he would absolutely bludgeon you to death he would twist your ear off and hand you your ears his his cauliflower ear was an immediate indication that you don't fuck with that guy yeah it was very i and i were like hey, that, that that guy would that guy would absolutely fold you into a pretzel if he didn't like you it was very yeah so let's make friends with him first he looks very very aggressive uh, yeah. if yeah. you were a cone and justin picked you and brought you home no you know, no i couldn't it'd be all right <laughs> i couldn't imagine watching you guys you know what was the Cuddle best part me. about cone collecting Nourish was watching me. the plethora of accoutrements that everybody was using to try and cut that cone in half and not slice their hand off at the same time i love it that yeah. was amazing and then watching I the squirrels that. come and steal <laughs> the freaking cones yeah. 
That's you how know? you know they're good. Oh, man. It was such a natural right? viability test yeah, right there. I think there. we'll just test this right now. It's beautiful. Yeah, isn't God, that fun? Beautiful. Stalking those, uh, those squirrels uh, to go find fun. the good stashes. That the was caches of fun. cones, yeah. Oh, yeah. They can do it for you. You know, I mean, they, you know, you can spend time stealing their stuff. It makes them really mad. What's the yeah. living wage for them? What does that look like? They are really on a whole different thing. Um, they totally are Marxists. Um, and they are, it's hard to wrap yeah. your mind around. It's really hard to yeah. wrap your mind. Uh, communism that works is incomprehensible for uh, our kind of people. This feels like a, a natural fit to transition, just slightly shift, because you're talking about your crews and the work that you guys are doing, and JT, you're part of this too. What what are you guys doing right now, and, and what do people who are interested in like being a part of this? I know we talked about this a little bit when we were in person with you um, okay, down in the Sequoias. What does it look like for somebody to reach out to your group and say, "Hey, we want to help you guys out"? Because a lot of my work is go, laughing, a lot of my personal important. work is going through um, Ancient Forest Society, and will continue to do so due to the level of capitalization that it needs for doing the seed banking for the giant sequoias. That's going to continue probably for the next four to five years. Mm -hmm. So I'll definitely be working um, with Anthony and Wendy on that. So any sort of donations to them, solid. Yeah. That's exactly where I'll or go. Or volunteers that um, want to come help that out. Feels well, like, right. And, and live, well, that, live that fun lifestyle. I'm still kind of, yeah, yeah, that's going to happen again. No, that's really going to be an, an opportunity. And, and that opportunity. We'll try to rally some troops. We'll I think we yeah, will rally some troops. And again, like the thing we took away from it was the amount of logistics. You know, people, if they're not going to be out there climbing trees or humping loads up and down the hillside, like there's a lot of tracking information, data, all that stuff where like there's literally a need for it. Oh, finding the a lot refrigeration of refrigeration. Oh, yeah. you guys making those Logistics. calls when we were there. Like, yeah. hey, how do we house <clears throat> these seeds and get them back to the yeah. place? And no, there's a lot of places right now for people to check in. And, you know, I, we also have a lot of really good people, too. Um, one of the things that I think we'll be doing, you know, we will be putting tree planting crews together now. And that's going to be interesting. So we will be actually you know looking for you know say 10 people additional people for tree planting so you know that we can embed within a volunteer group and 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 have in a situation where they're like crew leaders that can that have yeah and be able to get them to a a plot and you know train we we are we're doing you know we everybody in the parks and and loves the citizen science approach right so trying to get more involvement um, for people, we when you when you don't need the high skill level, you know, mm -hmm. and and tree planting we think can be taught and 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 get, you know, we have some CCC involvement. Um, there's there's probably quite a bit of things that can will come up. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. They keep well, us posted. We're happy to spread uh, the word. People people being personally invested is is exactly how you change mm -hmm. uh, perceptions one one individual at a time too. You know, it's like it's not lost on the individual to put that effort in. It goes back to, yeah, you can conceptualize a project where you're going to plant 5 million trees, and that's awesome, you know, if a nonprofit can think at that scale and fund a project at that scale, but, like, there's also just the individual ability to have a positive change on your individual capacity and level to contribute in, in, a, in a genuine positive way where getting a person involved and having a personal, you know, sort of stake in the game is really well, and, and that powerful goes, that goes back to what you do too here sure. you know because you um you know the the plants you know the trees in your front yard uh 
all of that are really important too. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And having that engagement. Connecting whether, people. Yeah. That greater connection, I think, comes from the tree, right? Not, yeah. Not necessarily where you're at with the tree, perhaps. You know, I mean, I felt that connection here today yeah. with some of your trees. You know, That's awesome. In the same way, you know, where you go, wow, okay, this is a really cool tree. You know? Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. So, yeah, that's interesting. So it it it's just a time, I think, really for us to to be working everywhere like that, you know, with the trees and in that, you know, um, the urban landscape and the, you know, people then also just staying open and um, maybe to a greater ecological re- relationship too. You know, the whole idea of reducing consumption. Mm-hmm. reusing things quality durable goods yeah just the things that maybe we should get back to right um but i think for me i'm busy and i see a lot of positive energy right now in the in the forest you know just being patient and trying to get the revenue streams to uh get to the right projects but there's some really good people working on that right now i yeah. think um yeah i'm pretty sure that there's a a little bit of a you know kind of as, as the federal money's broke down, a lot of money has gone into the nonprofits. Yeah. There's also a lot of venture capital um, kind of angel investors out there picking away at forestry in a weird sort of way that I'm not so sure how that's going to work out. Like drone seeds enter into the, mm-hmm. into the market and uh, how that fits in with uh, whatever they're doing with carbon credits, building fe- getting paid to plant future forests. Yeah. That's being done. But we haven't seen that on the street level, right? So, we well, it's like a weird, it's like a weird loophole system right now that like really could have some really positive impact and altruistic objectives, but maybe it's being slightly abused potentially. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Okay. You know, um, drone seed, which I think is flying under the banner of Silva Seed, um, which was a traditional forestry outfit out of Roy Washington, uh, is a real interesting. Um, force uh they just bought cal forest um but it's a real acquisition type and merger type of model you know it's very Mm. corporate type of thing to come um at i have not seen this kind of a thing uh in my world of you know loggers and and or or vegetation ecologists uh you know i haven't really seen that so this is a new entity coming and i know that they're coming out of the out of the uh, somewhat out of having some investors and having angel investors or or having carbon funding. You know? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's a whole new <coughs> what weight they they're coming at and how they how they work. Um, I, I have no idea. Well, yeah. the, the main problem that we realized in California is just communication with the land managers to get to the jobs, mm-hmm. which we just feel is completely broken. Mm. And so if you, if you don't get your seed order collection orders from the U S forest service, you definitely know you're not going to be planting trees. Right. So, yeah. 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 And so that's a, uh, that's something that you're continuing to work at trying to just, streamline the communication and the accessibility to those. I land would call managers. it even worse than that. I would say it's something that I just push at and just try to build like JT I'm building into what, who will basically become a project manager and the project managers that I've been building in the last couple of years, like you met Trent, um, their basic job is to break down the doors uh, on a piece of property, uh, build the relationship to the property manager, uh, get the collection, 
get the get the ball rolling mm-hmm. so it becomes more of a good neighbor approach really where yeah. you're where you're saying hey how come you haven't done this you know and uh and unfortunately that's really the state that we're in and 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 at the same time in california all you hear about is oh the caldor fire all the you know oh we're really working on that you know and but there's not a lot being really done yeah know? It feels so much reactive, reactive, uh, very much. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. You know, when you're, yes, exactly how I would say you're, you can either have a proactive approach, right. um, which is a muscle or you can have a, a reactive approach, which is like a nerve. We're definitely in the nerve department and mm-hmm. we don't build the muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're just now starting to be aware of that. We need to train and build the muscle, um, and you know that that's really where I'm trying to help and be, and that's why I have my my consulting rig is just primarily to be a bridge, so that any place anything falls apart, I can just step in with as a private entity for speed bridge, and move on. If I have to pass the work back on to a nonprofit or somebody else, then that's fine. I'm not working on a profit model per se. You know, right. I got to put gas in the trucks and things like that, but. My goal was, and I, uh, with Christy Brigham and MPS, and it still is, is to uh, have transparency to rebuild that model of collection, uh, growing, and planting, and right. get it back to. It, that, that's the whole idea. If it works at MPS, then maybe I can go out into U.S. Forest Service, and and everybody will start, you know, doing it. And, it's and like a but top down but thing. It's it is, but there's some fundamental things to change too, right? Like the the whole price, the whole price structure, the thirty five cent planting, uh, the twenty cent seedling, the the you know the bushel of you know for thirty for thirty bucks. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's this like uh, it's fine if it's if you have people working in the woods and it's nineteen eighty two, but you know. It's it's not. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not where we're yeah, at. Yeah, it's just not where yeah. we're at. So so coming all the way forward has been yeah. really hard for people, and for a, for and that's a, a California perspective. For uh. a bonsai connection, it almost feels a little bit like how we talk about uh, Telperian Farms, where it's like the appreciation after it's gone is like skyrocketed. Oh, everybody but, but wants the, to save it when it's gone. But the <laughs> but the engagement level with this place while it was here. You know, it, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's there. You know, it's yeah. there. What do we need to do? And it's the same, giant squares aren't going anywhere. Mentality. You know, it's like uh-huh. it's an interesting. I think that's a really good yeah, get involved good while connection. it's still here, and we can make a difference and do something instead of oh well, it's oh I sure wish I would have. Like, yeah, yeah, but isn't that true with a lot of the things that we see? You know, where we're just uh, we. It's hard for us to slow down, um, and I think a lot of a lot of us just struggle with the overall like the scalability thing the thing that you say you know oh well i have a a little bit of a handle on you know i can kind of imagine what it's like to to do a a a large planting you know um and see it work um you have to have had that experience and for sure after you've done it a couple times you go oh well okay yeah that was a lot of hard work but it is possible right and, and here's uh, what it takes. And here's what it takes. And here's maybe how we could do it better. You know, I, I mean, that becomes the the wisdom of the it's really practice. T- it's really tactical and investment that mm-hmm. at that point. You really would like to see the Army Corps of Engineers show up. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's that's the level of investment that you really need to get to to make an impact right now. You think that's uh you think that's ever a potential possibility that 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 the Army Corps of Engineers could get involved in something like this? I have always thought that big green um, 
and I did uh, I'll thank myself for my service. I was in the Navy. But um, I do think that there is a place um, there where you could, um, as, a, as the public, right, spend your money differently. And no, I think the Army Corps of Engineers, as a, having a green outfit that uh, did cone collection and planted trees, wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be badass. Yeah, I mean, they have a band. Don't they have one. a traveling band? Yeah, they got all kinds of crap. So, like, like blue angels will fly Look, over and drop the seeds. Yeah, no, Listen, they can do that. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. You, Drone seed would love that. If you're playing, you know, if you value, if you value things such as music, you know, as far as a government entity and things like that, which I know, I know some individuals that played in in uh in a, in a military band as, yeah. as their service you know right. and that's like that's awesome and yeah. thank you very much for that and like but there is like a real value association with the tree that we're valuing after it's gone that we could sort of proactively move up our ranks of priorities because it is kind of a big deal hey, it is it's a climate Appar- war right apparently you know, trees me, matter yeah, apparently, at this point apparently the physicality and, yeah the physicality of it could tie into a oh, training I'll thing. Take a like, Corps, a, I'll take a Marine Corps battalion yeah. all day long. Yeah, yeah that's I'll, badass. I'll get me a good lieutenant that knows how to put the crew to work. And No, you could bust stuff out that way. But that's just deployment of assets, right? Yeah. In the old yeah, word yeah. of the military, you know, um, how do you want to deploy these assets, sure. right? Well, geez, I'd like to deploy them for the climate war. Yeah, yeah, yeah Where interesting. Where did you fight? You know, what division were you in? Uh, the Battle of uh, whatever Board fire camp. Right? Yeah, the Battle of Board Camp. Yeah, I got. That's really you know, interesting. I've that's a great idea for a while. That, that should be able to get traction in all in our. You society would think right so now. because it's because you although you speak you know with a slight uh, a slight grin it's not no no you're not um, it's not bullshit not, that's not bullshit yeah um, I I had a very good conversation with Matt you know and he's a army. Uh, vet and uh from the gulf wars and he's an officer and uh we spoke at length about what a good idea that was Mm -hmm. so veterans themselves i think would really dig it oh interesting yeah you know so you could actually pitch it out to the veterans and And a way to pivot the service so that maybe there's like a positive part of that service or a connection with Uh, nature and the environment there could be some mental health things that'd be very beneficial well you also understand the structure of the military to be able to maybe integrate or help that transition a little bit more too because i would think you'd I mean, I don't know. Well, don't one know. thing, one I, thing I, we do, uh, one thing anybody uh, who has had to be in, in any sort of logistics understands logistics. That's all. You just do understand that you got to spot on. You got to spot up. You got to know what you're doing. You got to know what you need. You can't fall short, right? That's that's a rule. Yeah. And so you do kind of have a way of looking at things, and and it also requires you to have tactical assets beyond. Uh, you know your means personally yeah. right yeah. Hel- helicopters and uh kitchens and yeah that kind of thing that that the army actually does do really good at you uh, know? incredible support yeah. right yeah so you run it more like a fema thing you know you do treat it more like firefighting and that kind of thing when you said helicopter i for some reason f- flashed immediately to helicopter helicopter parent i was like oh, let's not let's not let's not pivot the wrong way here well helicopters are how the board camp planting got shut down when we went to pick a DZ drop zone for that, um, that's when they didn't want to pull down a couple trees so they could drop the trees up there. You know, so that was a simple, just a call of taking a helicopter and dropping, you know, twenty thousand seedlings on a remote site. I love this uh, this idea of shifting some of some military resources, and it feels like 
there's so much money in defense, and I'm not trying to say that that shouldn't be there. That's a different conversation. Oh boy! But just I don't want to get into it on on a way that's super controversial. But yeah. it's like it feels like that doesn't seem like it'd be that big of a pivot, like because they they do so much. PT exercise regimen. It's like if part of if you just structure things differently, where it's like, hey, guess what? You spend three weeks doing this project as opposed to some other mission, you know, in the wilderness to be prepared for something. Yeah. It's like, and it would also be helping. Well, I've always everyone, wanted to build you know, out like a really world class, badass tree planting, you know, and and I've known some really good tree planting outfits. Uh, it's possible. You know, my cone hunting outfit is world class, um, and that's the truth. You know, oh, for sure. You throw- I mean, that guy, the guy Kai that we had met yeah. the, when we were there, he Blue was cement. from Germany, I believe. Yeah. And, I mean, world he, class. he leads crews all throughout that country, and here he is as, like, he's, part he's of also the crew. He's a world class. Uh, he's also a world cl- uh, competition climber, set world records in the 90s for tree climbing. Um, he's probably the n- best cone collector in europe yeah priceless priceless collect connection i'm getting messages from lonnie as she's listening to this and, and making notes to edit and, and trying to, she's trying to keep me on task it's it's good job that's lonnie. the hardest job in the building is to keep ira on task yeah uh ryan stepped away for a moment which was uh probably picked up on the audio here but jt we should talk to you a little bit you've been so quiet you've been so patient yeah, been listening you're enjoying a tasty beverage, and, and we're so happy that you that you are. As, Who as are, are you, as are we. JT? Who are I'm you, JT? Cozy, because you work you work <laughs> for Steen. Is that part of the John Steen Company? Is that that kind of wing of what you guys are involved in? You should talk about a little bit about what your role is and what your job is, because you're back at the farm, for lack of a better term, I guess, where you yeah. guys are managing all the seedlings. And the trees that you're propagating, well, and maybe and JT can start by telling him. Sort tell- of always been a world class squirrel, and I think <laughs> that kind of stems back to my relationship with nature and kind of just what kind of got me here in the first place. So I'm a botany grad. You know, I love my plants and my mushrooms and stuff, and I think there's a lot of medicine in just going out and taking it all in. So kind of the crazy thing about this is that there's you know so much work to be done and you know fixing the forests or you know work in general in the forest there's always work in the forest mm-hmm. um but steen's got me wrapped in learning how to grow trees and also learning how to climb trees which is you know two parts of the picture that you know i figured at some point in my life you know i would have to understand you know getting a tree started maybe climbing a tree (laughs) yeah yeah start to finish basically the whole concept Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm just absorbing it all in at this point you feel optimism you feel optimism uh with what you see happening oh yeah i I love that yeah i I love that no hesitation yeah no hesitation no i'm pretty optimistic i think tree growers and tree planters are naturally optimistic um scott baker pointed this out to me um and of course, it's been pointed out to me um, by Craig Welch, who was a great uh, um, National Geographic writer. And when I was hanging out with Anthony and Wendy, and he goes, after hanging out with them for a day, he was with me in Trent, and he was talking to me for a little while, and he goes, you're different. 
He goes, <laughs> yeah, right. you seem a lot more optimistic than those other ones. And uh-huh. I said, yeah, I'm not quite so doom and gloom, man. Uh-huh. And he's like, why is that? And I said, I don't know. I'm a tree planter. I grow, I collect seed. I collect life and I grow it. Yeah. I mean, I'm optimistic. Yeah. You know, I, uh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm, that's good. I, I think I'm somewhat blessed with the stupid optimism that you get when you wake up every morning and you're kind of like, oh, got another, I cheated it again, you know? Yeah. Um, but in the, in the general scheme of things, and I've had an interesting year in a lot of ways, but uh, I think I remain pretty optimistic about the the potential for humans to have greater connections. You know, I suffer with it a little bit when I'm in the big in the in the cities, and you know, I look at you know kind of the what what we all think. I think what we all face is just the you know the fact that there's a you know a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you'd said to me when we were in the Sequoias, you'd said, you know, that, that I, that we need to realize that we're coming out of a wet period. You, you, you'd put it together. There was like a a statement of like a period within a period. Can you say that again? Cause I want to get that right. Well, we're, we're coming in, we're in a, we're in a drier period period you know we're coming into a drier period within a much wetter within a much wetter wetter period yeah that's why we see so much encroachment like in where we're at where we see the encroachment of the incense cedar where we see the dug fir meadow encroachment that those are both signs of having more water available right well that's backing down right as we go into a a, what what was a drought and now has be considered a mega drought Mm -hmm. i mean probably we're in one you know very similar conditions when mira was writing um so have we been through these cycles before yeah is this one longer and deeper yes um but uh you know i think that's just uh that for me is important when you're looking at the plant communities you know and and when you're looking at what might happen now as things get drier when you know that we're definitely headed more toward oak more toward juniper Mm -hmm. and you almost can watch the eastern side of the sierras start coming back over and becoming, you know, like like L.A. once was, you know, junipers and saber-toothed tigers, you know. Uh, hey. So. Oh, take me back. You know. No, I thanks. Mean, that's, no, no thanks. That's where you're going, you I th- know. You could the say you want saber-toothed tigers ones? until saber-toothed tigers here, and then you're like, oh. Because if you think of a, of a house cat on steroids with much larger teeth, like, that's it. I think when the saber-toothed tigers come back, I think it's probably a sign that we've left. We've left. The we've left the building. Left on our We're all on Mars. Everything's kind of reestablishing here. Uh-huh. And the, yeah. Well, you got me thinking about microclimates, though. Uh-huh. It's going into a drier period. So right. It's probably time to get those microclimates established. Before well, that's late. a good, that's, and that was what, there was just a piece that I sent to Anthony about the microclimates and um that's a very good point those are the edges that you want to try to hit and that's also goes back to what you know you heard um ben talking about maybe using different uh trees because of that right so you may have to then spin the the wheel right and uh and put in you know eucalyptus or put in trees from the Oof. mediterranean yeah exactly the things the things that you would not want to like do this, right yeah. oh, this is where you get tough. to the geoengineering thing yeah. right and where people this is not tree planting desperation right but it's people at that point where they're arborists i, I think it's at 
I think it's okay to think about this within the urban uh, rural interface. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not so much. Well, it's already uh, been so heavily it, manipulated that it's you got to do the best you and can. And maybe at it that should point. be. That's and a maybe at that operation. point it should be manipulated back, right? But you have to be have some awareness of its ability that that it's holding. You know, it's like he were saying, <laughs> plant bamboo all over the place. Yeah, bamboo. You know, these different ideas. You know, where will things differentiate and come back over the next, yeah. you know, thousands of years? And I mean, who knows what we're going to get to? Um, yeah. We have a cosmopolitan situation with diseases and plants and um, really interesting stuff. Yeah. That that whole thing is interesting. It's interesting because you know we've been looking at a, at it on a nutrient level. Um, what are what are wild ancient trees taking in uh, nutrition wise from the soil? Can we create some markers now uh, and track those over the course of time? And then you know what is the biology in the in the soil system? Which you know there's Susan Samard and some of those like really more publicly aware research uh, practices personalities, scientists, et cetera, are, are starting to document this stuff. But there are people in much more, in much less public settings that are really studying interesting aspects of the, of the microbial biological relationships and are these shifting in the native environment as climate and, and things are rapidly changing and I know. would think, yes. I mean, I, I, I don't see how it has to, right? Be, yeah. Kind of has to. It's yeah. biology doesn't exist as a, as a, uh, uh, a, a, a static element of an environment that's dynamically shifting. And I think that's what happens when you get to fragmented ecosystems too. You get the inability for them to communicate. Sure. You know, so sure. you have, you know, where you, wherever we have breakdowns like that, I think that those are critical. You know? Well, this is like asking you, why are there not 6,000 year old bristle cones or 7,000? You said you right. have to understand uh, stability stability of the ecosystem right. to be able to foster the existence and proliferation of a species the age limits at least as far as we know which there might be other reasons right this is hypothetical but right. but probably fairly accurate that there was a point where the climactic conditions were stable enough to facilitate the germination and the expansion or proliferation of a specific species under those elements out of the competition of of other species right yeah it it, it may simply just be that longevity of climate yeah um that allows that to you know which as you see from some of the you know your collection too right i mean that like that ancient norway spruce that's just crawling across the you know some alpine subalpine yeah. ridge somewhere sure. in norway i mean yeah that thing's ancient right but that's because that ecosystem oh, is probably ten thousand years old well and it, the interesting the interesting thing about old tico is it's grown more vertically in the past 10 years than it has in the past seven oh, wow. seven or eight thousand okay. years and and the tundra i went and saw that in the summertime the tundra is changing it's turning into a tree isn't it's it? turning into a tree wow. which is which is a shift from the yeah, stunted right? crumholtz well, form knows, right yeah it's it's it's, you, it's you really hold. fascinating stuff yeah. no it's badass you know it's cool right it is interesting i didn't even think about that That's yeah really fun it is interesting and there's a lot more like it you know yeah. old tico they they have like this little like deck built around it now because people were impacting it to try and protect it but there's just just like you know whether you're talking about hyperion or or you're talking about methuselah it's like when you label something as the oldest the tallest the biggest right. that 
it's now a target. Oh, you yeah. Know? And they're like, well, there's things that are older than old Tico on that same tundra, but nobody's going to talk about it or sure. tell you where they're at, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we're kind of to the point where we have to worry about the tree tourism. You know, sure. we have to worry about the actual physical damage. You know, and I think that speaks to people that are writing guides and, uh, you know, as a surfer, always a little bit sensitive of secret spots, right? Uh, I think pretty much those days are gone. Mm -hmm. um, and But also for the tree people and the hikes, you know, we went through the COVID curve where a lot of people really got access to things. Uh, I'm in a Michael Kaufman's book, Conifer Country, you know, um, people that, that you know, um, may or may not understand that when they write about a place, the impact is definitely going to go up. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that I don't know exactly how I feel about some of that, but mm -hmm. I think that there is definitely, you know, maybe it's not so much for the authors to not reveal, but for the readers to also, you know, realize, Oh man, you know, there is a carefully digest there. that, right? Yeah, perhaps, you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I think with, uh, with like Hyperion, you know, which just basically got, um, you know, they did a film, they kind of poached it. Um, there was a crew that came in and, you know, did a little piece on it. You know, recreational climbing's become pretty, pretty getting more popular. Um, so the parks themselves are trying to really regulate that. They're not going to let that happen in the national parks. So, so people that want to have that tree experience, you know, I think they're going to have to go to Tree Climbing Planet or, you know, Tim Tim's place or Tim Core, yeah, yeah some place mm -hmm. where they can really get that experience in a in a in a place where that they can respect the trees. Yeah, um, learn, learn to do it responsibly and respectfully. Yeah, yeah, and it's that. so different for me. You know, I never would have gotten into a tree for recreational purposes, weirdly enough. I mean, I don't think I would have. It just would never have been my, it's, you know, I, I like, I do, I like the gear. I like to climb. I'm a good tree climber, um, but I'm a purposeful one. I'm pretty much a cone collector. And so I'm there to do my work. And of course, I've enjoyed quite a few really cool beautiful giant sequoias um and sugar pines and other <laughs> that, there is a benefit to that but it's like but but most of the time that's um comes at this different period in in, in your life you know for me early on it was more just about the collecting right and so you, you know lots of smaller trees lots of you know there's not a it's it's not completely you know just like these are the the greatest trees that we you know you get you do get into some trashy trees and you take a beating sometimes trying to get your work done and uh there's not a lot of beauty it, and romance to it glory. huh <laughs> there's not a lot of glory in it really yeah um but uh but sometimes there is you know yeah and so like where where we we're working right now is really fun and a good place to stay yeah yeah that that was that was really something Boys, I unfortunately have to cut out. You're welcome to continue the conversation, but uh, we're going we're, skiing, man. Are you? I think, yeah. I think we're good. These yeah. guys got we got plans. Yeah, we got plans, man. Badass. Good. Where, where good. are you going? Uh, I on every Friday got to take got to get a date with my son. Oh, so good. yeah, good uh, it's, it's a stand standing obligation that I look forward to Sweet. every week. Yeah, good. So for you. I try to try to make it non negotiable. But um, Trailblazers games. Oh, uh, we've tried that. We've uh -huh. tried that. <laughs> Uh, soccer st st soccer sticks better than uh, basketball do root, does at the moment. Who do you root for? 
Trailblazers for the Timbers. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know this. You know this. We know this. Yeah. He's not a Trailblazer fan yet, huh? Not yet. Not yet. But we'll get there. You know, basketball is just blossoming in terms of his awareness of what his physical self can do. Right. So we're we're, well, I know we're working that you'll on it. Be uh, wanting to invest in that. You know what? If he wants to get into basketball, he's speaking my language. So Good. we'll 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 be we'll Good. be on the same. Shooters got to shoot. Shooters got to shoot. Shooters got to shoot, man. Hey, there was never a bad shot for a Check shooter. Check it up. Never a bad shot. Just hit. Yep. Give me the rock. That's right. Give me the, Give rock. Me the rock. Feed me. The feed basket feed looks feed so me. big to Ryan Neal. Feed him. Everything's going in. Feed him. <laughs> like shooting into a dumpster. Yeah. Yeah. No, that used to be my my. I've done some feeding. Yeah. Nice. I've scooped the. I've I've thrown the. I could see you be. I could see you being uh, uh, an absolutely phenomenal baller. I had a good career. I did. I have to be uh, honest. I played until I was fifty. My I played for Kokatat City League, and yeah, I really nice. enjoyed it. Yeah, it's so Dangerous nice in Humboldt County. Hook. In Humboldt, you know, you got the rains, and and so in the winter, we always had a really good ball, uh, really good crew. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good city league there. That's great. Yeah, you know, with guys that played in the pros and, you know, real, you know, everybody be like, I mean, I'm I'm 6'5", but I was never the center, you know, I mean, so. Yeah, so you were playing against big boys. Swing man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Played against the humble guys a lot and stuff. So. That's yeah. great. And I did. I played uh, intramural all the way up until I was 50, and then I'm like, man, I, I remember the last game I played, um, I spent the whole time just – trying my best to not get dunked on by the guy that i was defending who was so much more athletic than me and we could really posted. had hops and everything and i was dunked. just cheating like crazy to keep him on the ground uh -huh. so he wouldn't dunk on me and i realized at that point that i i just needed to hang it up because uh -huh. yeah i was not gonna that's where you were yeah ah, that's good. he asked happens, me at the end of the game right? he asked me how old i was and that was another reason why I thought <laughs> they're on to you. You have dude. to ask. You'll yeah, never know. On you. <laughs> they're on to you. Get out of here. You know. Uh, <laughs> Got those old tricks. I did. I had some old tricks, but they they were starting to be just exactly that. You know. It's like when the when the young guys are like finally aware that you're throwing the trick bag at them, they're gonna get you quick. <laughs> they're gonna get you, man. They're one step behind you. Hey, thanks again for yeah, coming out. Thank it's you so guys. Good to have you guys. I gotta cut out, but man, what a pleasure to have you up here. Good thanks for making here. the time. Yeah. JT, appreciate you, man. Thank you.